0: Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Chris Lazat, who's leading worship this morning, came over and said some nice things to me uh, at the end of service, kind of privately, which is real kind of him. So I'll just embarrass him publicly. Uh, I think this is the first worship leader we've had come lead with us who really feels like us. You know, like he could just start coming on Sundays and everything would go awesome, right? So you guys let him know he's welcome His wife's here, too, and just invite them to come back next week, and we'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, We're in a summer series where we are preaching on miracles of Jesus, and we're doing this because Jesus' miracles teach us about the nature of God and also because we believe that God is still actually in the miracle business, and so these stories grow our faith. Our theme verses for this series are from John 20, verses 30 and 31. We'll read them again here. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. And so there's a purpose behind these miracle stories, week in and week out. Uh, As a pastor, I actually get to invest myself in learning and growing in my faith and leadership as part of my job. I, of course, hope that that will always benefit the church family. A month or two ago, I got to attend the Festival of Homiletics where you pay 500-some dollars for people to preach at you eight hours a day for five days. It's insane. It is the worst festival in the history of mankind. I have no idea what people in the mainline Christian church are thinking when they set up this so-called festival. But I got sucked in, and it was free. It was paid for by the seminary that I attended. And I got to go with my cohort. There were all these people I loved, so I went. And I got to hear uh, three really great talks and some talks. And I wanted to share with you, (laughs) I wanted to share with you my favorite message of the week. It was preached by Will Willimon III, who has written over 80 books that have sold over a million copies, which is amazing when you consider he's writing for pastors. Uh, This dude was voted best preacher in America for 15 years running. He was like pastor to Martha's Vineyard as his very first assignment in the United Methodist Church. Um, He's really, uh, I've heard him a couple times He's quite exceptionally good. Uh, His sermon in this case was called, We Had Hoped, and it came from a passage I've actually preached on many times here at River Heights called, The Road to Emmaus, it's fairly famous. Um, And I got from Will a new angle on a portion of that story that has always troubled me, and I hope that it will challenge you today in some of the ways that it has challenged me. As we go through today's passage, I want to invite you to consider two questions. What have you hoped to receive from Jesus? And what have you actually gotten? And those two things may line up and they may just be really far apart. You may not have any hope in Jesus, in which case you can just kick back and enjoy uh, what we're talking about today and maybe think about what hope in Jesus might look like for you. Uh, To set the scene... This story takes place in Luke 24. This is after Jesus' death. And so the big miracle in this story is the fact that Jesus shows up in it at all, since most people do not have continued stories after they have been crucified. Uh, As you may remember from the other Bible stories, when Jesus was killed, pretty much all his followers ran for cover because they were afraid of getting arrested too. The people and his followers wanted Jesus to be their version of a Messiah, and their version was someone who will come, defeat Rome, set Israel free, and set up a new kingdom coincidentally with them in charge. Their version of a Savior would change their circumstances for the better, and how could Jesus be that Savior if he died on a cross? That's where we start today's story. Let's go to Luke chapter 24, verse 13. So that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. He was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. And then some women from our group of followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. So we see here, as we see in some of other uh, of Jesus' resurrection stories, God actually preventing people from recognizing Jesus in the flesh. And Jesus has these really interesting interactions with people. In this one, as in most of them, Jesus is basically just asking questions. What are you talking about? What happened? And these two followers, Cleopas and an unnamed other follower, proceed to tell Jesus what happened to Jesus. I really hope the TV series The Chosen, it's on YouTube, does this scene because it's got to be hilarious. Here's Jesus, oh yeah, tell me more about Jesus. I'd love to know. Maybe you could give me some insight, right? And there's a key phrase in this passage that explains what I'll be talking about uh, for the rest of this message, most of the rest of this message. And that phrase is, we had hoped. So what they had hoped for was military governmental rescue. Has anyone here ever hoped for that, for like the government to spontaneously get better because God took over? Anybody? Is it just me? I bet we have folks from the left and the right, right here in this room, who are both like, yeah, and I bet we were hoping different things, right? Wouldn't we love to see Jesus restore our fortunes and put us all in charge and give us earthly glory? Let's see how Jesus responds. Verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so, What I have never thought about in this passage is why does Jesus get so irritated at these disciples? The Greek here is Jesus calling them dim-witted fools or like annoying morons. And what is it that they have said that has ticked Jesus off so much? I find it very easy to preach the generous love of Jesus because that is what saved my life and keeps me going week in and week out. We read your connection cards, and we know so many of you. And we know that you come here with your faith hanging by a knuckle, and that the love of God is actually what gives us the courage to go back out into the world with a heart of service and a desire to do good for other people. And so I love to preach the love, the love of Jesus, the kind Jesus, the love God, love your neighbor Jesus. But sometimes I am puzzled by irritated Jesus. And when that happens, I don't always know how to find the answer. But how many people can say, it is possible to irritate the person you love? Could I get an amen? Would everyone look at your neighbor and smile? It is possible to irritate the people that you love and to be irritated by them. Uh, humor aside, when I read these passages, sometimes I just keep on reading because I don't actually know what to do with them, or how, much less how to preach them or understand them. Uh, what Will Willem III pointed out for me Is that Jesus gets mad at them right after they say, you know, when someone has an emotion, look at what just happened before. They just said, we had hoped Jesus was the Messiah. And what they missed out on is the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. But they were too busy hoping for what they wanted him to be. A Messiah who rules on earth and sets them free from their circumstances and teaches Rome a lesson. And I know lots of us want that today. I actually want that today. I want someone to make our government better. I want someone to make our government good, as if a government can be good. I want Jesus to set me free from circumstances that I find oppressive. Although every time that God has set me free from oppressive circumstances, new ones have come down the pike, as if that is something of the nature of life in this world. I think we often want Jesus on our terms. We want a God who works the way we want, who affirms that God is the God we want. But in the end, when that's what we're after, the God we want is really just ourselves. And that is not who God is. God is the one who serves others, who empties God's self, the sacrificially loving creator who came not to be served, but to serve. And then God makes the same call on our lives. Instead of a God who fixes all our needs, we have a God who calls us to enter into the world's need with God's love and presence and power. And God does come on the journey with us, just like he's on the journey with the followers in this story, whether we recognize him or not. Jesus walks alongside us and asks us questions and opens our minds and hearts and bodies to God's presence and love. Have you been so blinded by what you want Jesus or God to do that you have missed Jesus right there with you in the moment? In this story, God is actively preventing them from recognizing Jesus, but I think I have prevented myself from recognizing Jesus plenty all on my own. I have been so focused on God doing what I want that I miss God's presence and encouragement and love. Which are so often there i have been spiritually blind at times and i imagine that that's true for all of us so what have you been focused on to the point where you've lost sight of what's really important i want to pray for god to open our eyes this morning uh, god thank you for being on this journey with us thank you jesus for leaving heaven and coming to us uh, two thousand some years ago and again today we pray that you would give us clear sight, that you would help us to see your presence and answer your questions and be with you. We pray that you would uh, take our hopes and show us real hope. Show us an ultimate hope, God. Amen. All right, what Jesus does... Uh, after asking these questions and coming along these disciples and listening to them is so significant it's his first contact with them after the resurrection he could do anything under the sun what does he do he shows them how the bible points to him he walks them through how the savior isn't a military liberator or a revolutionary zealot he shows them what isaiah and the other prophets wrote that the coming christ would actually be a servant who suffered I want to go through some of the passages that talk about Jesus in this way from the book of Isaiah, where the Messiah is most often called the servant of the Lord. In Isaiah 42, we find language that's the opposite of what the disciples had hoped. It says about the servant of the Lord that he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And so we see that the coming Savior is gentle and has special favor for those who are hurting. If you're here today and you feel like your fire is just about gone and all that's left is a little bit of smoke rising from the ash, you are exactly who Jesus comes for. If you feel bruised and broken and like you'll never grow again, you are exactly who Jesus comes for. We're glad that you're here. In Isaiah 49, 6, the prophet says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. And so what these disciples were hoping was a rescuer of their people. And what god says in the scriptures is that god is actually coming to rescue all people could i get a thank goodness or an amen how about an amen amen because we're part of the all people jesus came to bring light to the whole world every tongue every tribe every nation love the line in the song that we were singing you look at me and everyone else as the same god comes to bring hope to every people of the world the Spanish-speaking ones in Lavinia down the way, the English-speaking ones here, and if you speak another language, you too, right? Jesus came to make us, God's people, into a light for the world that illuminates and displays God's goodness and God's glory. Isaiah 53.5 says this about Jesus. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we're healed. And I think this is really central to understanding the Jesus that we follow and serve. Christ responds to our sins and failings by taking the consequences for us. And this opens Christianity to the criticism that that's not fair. That it's not fair that you can do wrong and it can be wiped away. Someone should suffer for that wrong. And you know what I say to that criticism? Yes. It is totally not fair. Thank God. When I think about all the consequences I've earned for all the wrongs I've done through the entirety of my life, it is amazing to think that Jesus would come and step in front of that on my behalf. And of course, the purpose isn't so that we can just run around being awful people and do terrible things because we have Jesus as our, like, teflon guard and the consequences don't stick to us the purpose is that we would be uh genuinely moved by gratitude to give our lives in response back to god and then transformed on the inside and on how we act on the outside that we would become more like jesus christ that we would take other people's consequences that we would bear burdens for other people that we would spend ourselves on behalf and on service to others Uh, Gosh, I'm somewhere on this page here. Christ seeks our healing and our wholeness. God invites us into the eternal dance of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But like these disciples on the road, we're often blinded. We're often seeking a Jesus who gives us some other miracle than the miracle of his presence and of his teachings and the miracles that do break through into a broken world. Uh, Fortunately, God does not leave his followers blind. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to our story in verse 28. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. And so he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it, and then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and at that moment, he disappeared. That story is crazy. The disciples didn't know this was Jesus, but he's explaining the Bible to them so well they don't want him to leave them. Plus, this is hospitality culture. They beg him to stay, and he does. And so he enters their home, and he breaks bread with them. A clear reference to communion, for sure. That's what the author intends us to hear here. And then their blindness is removed, and they see him go, poof, and he disappears, There's a lot of miracles in this one story. We've got a miracle of resurrection. We have a miracle of clouded minds and eyes opened. We have a miracle of disappearance. I think, uh, personally, this is a really rich story. I think there's a lot to be gained from rereading this story on your own this week. It's Luke 24. You can guess where the tips are going to go with this this week, right? And then I encourage you to just wonder about what happens here. I wonder some things. Is the miracle here that they didn't recognize Jesus or that they did? why does jesus come back for these two and is jesus going to come back for his other followers too what's up with jesus seeming dead and then being alive and then being totally gone is that how you have experienced jesus at times i know i have has jesus shown up in my life at times when i did not recognize him In retrospect, I can see him in a few more places than I was able to see him in the moment, and I bet there's more of them. Whatever the case, I think Jesus is inviting all of us today to open our eyes and see Jesus where he is, which is right here with us, right now. And I believe God is inviting all of us to receive Jesus as he is, rather than as we had hoped. I believe that as we take communion today in worship, God is going to be continuing to open our eyes to the resurrected Jesus who serves and loves all people rather than the God of our idolatrous hopes who rescues just us and our tribe. I was praying during worship jam, so sometimes the band keeps playing after they tell you you can go, and if you stay, that's the best part. And uh, they always do it second service more than first service, so you should totally stick around if you can. Um, And I've had what I would call two visions of Jesus in my life, and I had like a third that I'm going to be thinking about for about probably six, eight years, because that's how it usually goes. Uh, I was just sitting in the chair worshiping, and we were doing like one of these songs again, which is called a reprise or a reprise. And uh, Jesus came and sat in the chair next to me and put his arm around me, and I thought that was awesome. And then I felt kind of lonely and sad, and I felt like Jesus put his other arm around me and held me. That is totally enough Jesus for today, for me. Although I'll try again. (laughs) Like the disciples in this story, we arrive today with our hope in all kinds of places and lots of us have our hope in christ you came to church on a sunday you're very good people gold star for jesus way to go Uh, at the same time sometimes our hopes wander sometimes our hopes wander into political salvation or tribal victory or the jesus who changes our circumstances the way we want them changed if you were to ask me what have i prayed for the most in my life it is definitely for god to change my circumstances without question. Anybody else besides me? Is it just me who's like all selfish and asking God to make things better for me? It's not just me. It's at least 10 of us. Thank you. I appreciate you 10. All right. Um, I haven't had a ton of luck with asking Jesus to change my circumstances, to be honest. What we see in today's story is a call to a different hope. We see Jesus explaining how the Bible points in a way that we would never expect on our own, They point to hope in a resurrected servant Lord. And so today, whether for the first time or for the thousandth, I think today is a great day to put your hope in the living and present Jesus. Let's together as a people trust Christ to be who he is rather than wishing that he was somebody else that he's not. And let's tell Jesus together that we trust him. And I just want to especially emphasize, if you have not done this before, it really just starts with this. God, I trust you as far as I understand you. It's a little bit like getting married. You have no idea what you're doing. You know, even if you've been dating 10 years, still, you, you're, you have no idea where you're going to be in 20, right? And so it's just this adventure of trusting in Jesus and seeing where he takes you. I want to invite the worship team to come back forward. Uh, let's see. Jasmine, would you be willing to tell the worship team that we're inviting them to come forward at this time, or at least the ones that are out in the lobby? And I want to invite you to stand as you're able. Uh, We'll close our service um, as we always do with prayer and worship. Those are the most important things you can do when you come to church on a Sunday. And I also have three tips for you. I think I'll do the tips first uh, here in second service. Uh, Tip number one is to read Luke 24. Read it and let your mind just wonder. Wonder, like, questions you know the answers to and questions you don't know the answers to. And sometimes Jesus is the one asking you these questions. Uh, Jesus does a lot of questioning in the Bible, something like 70 times more questioning than answering, actually. Read Luke 24. Uh, Tip number two, pray for a Jesus-shaped hope, right? And so I find it hard to, like, concentrate on not hoping something. Like, I'm going to hope things when the election rolls around. I'm sure some of us will in this room, right? But what I want to do is have a ton of hope in Jesus, right, that, like, fills my heart and helps me to realize where my true hope is. And so pray for a Jesus-shaped hope that that would capture your heart. And then tip number three is to reflect on your hope in Christ, To consider what it means that our hope is in the jesus who is rather than all the other things that we wish the world would be what does it mean for our hope to be in christ Um, i will lead us in prayer as we begin transitioning to worship and then the team will let us know when the service is over and and so forth Uh, so god i have uh, put my hopes in all kinds of things the Minnesota Twins, you know, I've put my hope in a lot of things. Uh, God bless the Twins. Um, I want to have more and more and more hope in you, God. I want more and more hope that does not disappoint, more and more hope that is real and grounded in who you are and what you are doing. We know you're here, God. We ask that you would do that miracle of opening our eyes to your presence, of helping us see who you are and how you are, How you match up with our hopes and how you're different and so far beyond so many of our hopes i just pray for our whole community god that you would give each of us a vision of your presence your love your power i pray that you would come alongside us put your arms around us um, just as you have you know for me in the first service We pray that you would be questioning us and speaking to us and with us on our journey I want to pray, especially for the people in need the most, God, our smoldering wicks and our bruised reeds and our people who are maybe even past that who just feel like they've died. I pray that you would reach out and that you would heal and save and do miracles and act again today, revealing who you are and how you are to us again by your generous love and your mercy. we worship God, uh, come into us and receive us as we are and give us back who you would have us be. Amen. Uh, If you're on the prayer team, could you please come forward at this time? It'd be nice to have a couple people on each side. I do think um, today's a great day to pray about your hopes or anything else under the sun that you would like prayer for. Uh, Again, we'll just trust our beloved leaders, to let us know when things are done. God bless you, friends.